Uh, one of those things that uh, should go without saying. Uh, the church of Christ uh, should reflect the character of Christ. After all, we are his body. He, as head of the body, is our authority, our example. And so we should reflect his character, his his virtues, his priorities. Again, the Church of Christ should reflect the character of Christ. And it's clear from the New Testament books of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John uh, what his character was. He was a master that attracted people. Oh, there were those of his dissenters, those who finally would nail him to the cross. Many of those things he said because of the message itself uh, turned people away. But by and large, he was one that attracted uh, people. Uh, Mark says in the 12th chapter that the common people heard him gladly. Of himself, he said, I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest to your souls in the last of Matthew chapter 11. When Jesus spoke, uh, they were astonished at his teaching at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in the last of Matthew 7. One time, some officers went to arrest Christ, came back empty-handed in John chapter 7, and uh, they explained themselves by saying, never man spake as this man. He was a great attractor of men and women. In fact, he says of himself, if I, if I be lifted up from the cross, will draw all men unto me. And of course, in that cross, by means of the redemption it offers, it still draws people to him. But even before the cross, the very personality of our Lord, his attitude, his demeanor, just the way he was, drew people from children to adults, from rich to poor, drew people to him. And for some time, his church did the same thing. First time the gospel message is presented in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 of those who heard the message respond to it favorably and were baptized and became the Lord's church there in Jerusalem. The next time we find a number in the book of Acts about these disciples, it's grown to 5,000. And why? Well, because those Christians were attracting people to them by their message, but yes, also by the kind of people they were. Which brings us to our text for this morning in 1 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul is talking to his young son in the faith, Timothy, reminding him that Timothy needs to behave himself, act appropriately in the church of our Lord. And he describes the church in three different ways. And in those descriptions, he gives us, I think, the key to what makes a church so very attractive to those that might otherwise be going somewhere else, looking for something else for solutions to their problems. He speaks of a place to belong, the house, the family of God. He speaks of a purpose for living. 
a sense of purpose. Uh, the church, the ecclesia, the called out of the living God. And he speaks of a sense of absolute clarity. The church is the pillar and the ground, the support of the truth. Which, by the way, the same thing is describing our Lord in the flesh. You want to know why he attracted people? He gave them a place to belong. His disciples were his. And he was as a shepherd to them as his sheep. As shepherd, he was willing to lay down his life for them. Uh, he gave folks that had no place to be, no place to belong, no place to call home, a place to come in himself. And Christ uh, offered a wonderful purpose. Remember he said in Matthew 16, If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. Uh, there's real purpose in life, a reason for moving forward, marching forward, as it were. And clarity? Well, it's Jesus who said, You shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free, in John 8 and verse 32. Well, just as Jesus projected these very attributes in himself, his church would be just as attractive as he was if his church would promote these very ideas. A place to belong. A sense of purpose. And a wonderful, absolute sense of clarity. When Paul tells Timothy that this church is the house of God. That word house in the original is not a structure of wood or stone. It's a house descriptive of the family, those who are inside the house, perhaps more appropriately the home. We are God's family, born into the family of God by water and spirit, as Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And the wonderful news about this is, if you have nowhere else to belong, no one else uh, to call brother and sister, no home to have, you have Jesus Christ, his church, to come to. You always have a sense of belonging when you are a member of his church in his body. That's the way it was always meant to be. That's the way God designed the church from the beginning. That's the way Jesus proposed it and promoted it. A place to come and a place to be, a place to belong. Uh, truth is, we, we're described in Scripture not as lions or wolves, but as sheep who need direction, need help, need encouragement, need support, need protection, and need each other. As God's people, we need each other. We need to promote that to the world at large. That with sins erased by Christ's blood, coming now into the very church of our Lord Jesus Christ, these saved by Christ are coming into a wonderful worldwide family of God, that wonderful universal family of believers, and here at Midtown we are a congregation of that family, 
an assembly of that family of God. And if we want to be effective in attracting people to us, and not to us, but to the Lord whose name we wear, uh, we must be more effective at presenting ourselves as a family, as a place to belong. A place where you're not lost in the shuffle. A place where you're just a, a name or a number, but a place where you are a person of value, a person of importance, a person that matters. Just like in your own physical family, ideally, hopefully, that's the way it should be so we, in more a sublime sense even than that in the church of our Lord as the family of God. And once again, as Jesus gave his disciples in his time of flesh a place to belong as his disciples, he gives all of us in his church a place to belong in the family of God. A wonderful song we sometimes sing from our hymnal, God's Family, describing the sense of togetherness and oneness and wholeness we feel because we are one family together. Doesn't matter what color we are. Doesn't matter what income bracket we're in. Doesn't matter what our education has been. Doesn't matter where we live, what we drive, or what we have. We are one family and that's what matters most. We're the family of God. And that very concept attracts people at a time when so many feel so very disconnected. You'd think the internet and social media would draw people together, but no, it's disconnected us even more. Because we're all on the web and on the internet and in social media, just some numbers, some faceless name, some nobody that can message or respond or get upset, we're lacking even more so than ever this sense of togetherness, oneness. And yes, the world is driving itself apart. Our nation is driving itself in division and apart. We need to offer people a place to come and have a place to belong, a place to be with those of like mind and faith and hope, a place of love and acceptance in Christ Jesus, a place to belong. But then also, the church needs to be the church of the living God. And it takes you to that word church itself, which I understand has a, an unusual uh, history from the actual word in the Greek and to our word church today in the English. We have to go through the Middle English and some, some changes there in language. But by and large, the word in the Greek was ekklesia, which means literally the called out. It describes those who have been, by the gospel, called out of the world unto a special, unique relationship to God through Christ. Called out of the world with this mess and its chaos into the harmony and peace and forgiveness of the body of Christ. Called out of self and sin and Satan into the righteousness which is in Christ in the church. The called out of God. And that's what we as the church are supposed to be. Called out. Closely akin in, in, in at least mindset to 
the Bible's use of the word saint, describing those members of the church, those of us who are Christians. The word saint meaning set apart. Well, different language, but the same meaning. That which has been called out has been set apart. Different than, other than. Used to be this, now you're the other. Used to be outside of Christ, now you're in him. Used to be lost, now you're saved. Used to be in the world, now you're in the church. Used to have hell as your home to come, now you have heaven to look forward to. All things are passed away, as Paul says, all things are become new. Which gives you then a reason, a purpose for living. Why are we here? Why do we even live on this planet in this life for the short time we're here? What's the reason for our existence? The existential nature of questions like that have plagued mankind from the earliest times. But the, the Bible finally answers it. Clearly, in the book of Ecclesiastes, after looking at all the blind alleys of what may or may not be the reasons for existence, and finding in every case vanity, emptiness in the process, finally, the wise man says, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole of man. That's what we're all about. That's why we're here, to reverence, to respect God, and to keep his commandments, to live his way, not ours. That's the purpose of life. And that's descriptive of the called out, the church. Those in the church, saints who have been set apart, our purpose is to serve not ourselves, but to serve the Lord in serving others. And some might look at that and say, well, that doesn't look like anything I want to be a part of. I want more things to be about me. I want to serve myself. I want what I want when I want it. Well, if you think that way, let me ask you, how happy has that made you so far? If you really have that disposition where it's all about you, I know something about you you may not know about yourself yet. You are a grumpy person. You are. And how do I know that? Because you can't be self-centered. Always looking for your way all the time and not be grumpy because the fact is this world isn't set up to serve you. Never has been. And it never will be. True joy comes in serving others. True joy serves, comes in serving the Lord. True joy means you move past yourself to something bigger than yourself and you lose yourself in the purpose of service of heaven and service of fellow man and what do you know? You found the joy you've been missing all along. That's what people are looking for, a reason for getting up in the morning. A reason for going about this life with all of its problems and difficulties and sorrows and all the injustice around us. A reason to keep moving forward. It's a purpose to live, and the church should offer that. And I'll tell you something. 
in a parenthetical, a parenthetical thought for just a moment. In many cases, the church is failing miserably here because we're, we're offering a warped, perverted gospel which expects no, nothing of anybody and is all about serving the customer of the one coming in and wondering why we're not more successful. We're not saying this is what you need to be doing. This is what you need to be about. This is what your life should be. We're saying, what can I do for you? So much so that now those who are looking for a church home are asking the question, what can you do for me? How can you serve me? What can I get out of it? You live your life that way again, you're going to be disappointed and, yes, a bit grumpy because things won't always go your way. And you'll always be complaining because you haven't got your way. Instead, our focus should be on what does the Lord want? What purpose can we serve for him? What can I do for others, not can I receive from others? And whereas you might think, well, that, that'll push people away. No, that draws people to. People want a sense of purpose. They want a sense of reason for getting up. They realize, intrinsically, we all realize there's more to life than just serving ourselves. We want a higher purpose. And the church should promote that very idea, present that very idea, proclaim that very idea, that we're here to serve the Lord. And yes, though we can't earn salvation, it's a matter of grace, we still are actively, diligently, eager and zealous in the Lord's work, and he expects something of us. Again, Jesus said, if any man come after me, and you might think if he had said what many think he should have said, he would have said next, if any man come after me, just come on in and the water's fine. And now he says, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Well, don't you know, Jesus, that'll turn people away. That'll make them not want to follow you. Just the opposite. The common people heard him gladly because he gave them a place to belong and a purpose to serve. And also, he gave them and his church should give those of the world clarity. The clarity of truth. Now Paul tells Timothy, behave yourself in the house of God, the family of God. In the church, the ecclesia, the called out of the living God. The pillar and the ground of truth. Like it or not, there's, there's truth in this world. There's truth physically. If you don't believe that, jump off the building and say, I deny the law of gravity and find no truth, one out, all along. There is truth physically, there is truth spiritually. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free. There is truth in this world. 
and the world longs for some clarity as to what it is. Uh, too many of all of the church's representatives of late have been more political than not. And I know you can go too far in being mean and hard-headed and, and uh, difficult to deal with. Christ wasn't that way. He was one who spoke the truth in love. But in the other direction, so many of our day have become so political that on any subject that is the least bit controversial, won't take a stand. Well, it could be this way, or then again, it could be this way. You just have to decide for yourself by who, who really knows. Who does that attract? People want certainty. They want clarity. They want truth. They want to know what is real. And Jesus spoke words that were real, words that were truth. You may not have agreed with him, but at least you knew where he stood. And the church of our Lord, you may not agree with everything we teach, but at least you should know where we stand. We stand upon the word of God, upon what the Bible says, period. Questions like, well, what does the church believe about this? Or what does the church believe about the other? The church believes what the Bible says, period. It's not what we believe, it's what the Bible teaches. And that is the truth. Well, yes, but polls are saying something else. Forget the polls. Well, surveys show people don't believe in that. Forget the surveys. Uh, don't you know you're going to turn folks away by taking a stand like that? No. People are looking for clarity. They're looking for truth. They're longing for something they know is right. It's about time we stood up and said this is what the truth is. Jesus, because he gave people a place to belong and a purpose to serve and a truth undergirding their very foundation, he, he drew all men to himself. And, yes, was crucified for it. And as his church, we may face persecution for it, but in the meantime, we'll draw a lot of good and honest people to us. If we give them a place to belong, the family of God. If we give them a purpose to serve as the called out of the living God. If we give them a certainty of what is real as the pillar and ground of the truth. That, my friends, is a church that attracts. And I hope as time goes forward, we are a church like that. If you're with us this morning and outside of Christ, please know that this family of God we've described is, is one which has open doors for everybody that might come to salvation through Christ Jesus on his terms. Have you yet in faith in Christ as God's son turned away from your sins and repentance? Are you willing even this morning to confess your faith in Christ and be baptized as he taught that your sins might be washed away? Or perhaps you've done that, but you've walked away and need to come back. What better time than now to come as together we stand and sing?